When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. It's time for another episode of the Gagapod. And boy, how much changes in a day of football, let alone a week. We're going to talk about the first impressions of Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea, as well as Sheffield United knocking off Manchester United at Old Trafford. Michael Bridges and Thomas Sorensen with me for this one. Let's get stuck straight into it. Boys, good to see you both again. Gone with the, we've got you both together for the first time in 2021. Thomas, belatedly, happy new year to you. Great to see you. Welcome back to the Hagen Pod. What on earth is going on in the Premier League world? Let's try and keep up. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one to keep on top of the news. But, um, you know, again, excitement. You know, I think uh, we saw this morning. Um, unpredictability. Um, yeah, the yeah, obviously the, the sacking of, of Lampard and, and Tuchel coming in and, uh, it's exciting to see what he can do. And Bridgie, great to see you again. Welcome back. And I mean, who could predict what's going on in the Premier League? It feels like five minutes ago, we were all discussing whether or not Mikel Arteta, whether Ole Gunnar Solskjaer are going to be, uh, you know, riding through the storm. And now we are looking at a new era at Chelsea. Unbelievable. Absolutely incredible, Dave. But, you know, this is football. This is the reality. And it's the harsh world of management, um, unfortunately. And Frank Lampard has suffered the consequences. But I'll tell you what, the Premier League title race is wide open. We've got another leader in Man City. Then it's Man United. Then it's Leicester. West Ham have got themselves in the mix. And we've got Tottenham and Liverpool hitting it out this weekend. It's just it's just absolutely incredible. And Sheffield United at the bottom, giving themselves a lifeline, can you believe? And having a battle with West Brom, Fulham and the, you know, the Northeast team and Newcastle United, Dave, they're slowly getting sucked into it. We're going to talk about all of that today. and We'll kick it off at Old Trafford with the game that just finished as we record on Thursday morning here in Sydney and Melbourne and Newcastle in the, uh, in the Gagan Pod headquarters. Um, quite an extraordinary result. Thomas, Sheffield United 2, Manchester United 1, the boil over of the season, surely. Yeah, a huge uh, surprise, uh, especially after the form that, that United have been, you know, they've turned the corner, riding on top of all the accolades, you know, uh, going through in the FA Cup uh, in, in great fashion with, uh, you know, great free kick uh, at the weekend and and then coming right back down to earth, um, you know, a, a shocking performance. Uh, you know, I, I can just, uh, we were talking bef- before we got on air about uh, the second goal that they conceded. Uh, it's probably some of the worst defending I've seen, you know, if not this season, but ever. Uh, you know, 10, 10 players lacking effort, lacking communication, lacking awareness, uh, and you know, more or less gifting Sheffield United their second goal uh, after coming, 
you know, back and, and equalizing. So, you know, I think they uh, deserve the, the loss and, you know, hopefully they can bounce back because uh, they're not going to win any championships with, with, with that performance. Well, Let's be honest, bring... Thomas. Sorry, Dave. Let's be honest, Thomas. That is not the first time we have seen Manchester United done by a bit of miscommunication, understanding, lack of awareness. The Champions League goal that they conceded from their own yeah. set play, that was just as embarrassing. But they'd ironed that out, hadn't they, Bridget? Like, this was almost a flashback. It was a flashback to the best of the dogged Sheffield United, but a flashback to the worst of Manchester United, which on this unbeaten streak they've been on, they seem to have ironed that out. Where did this come from today? It's, it's the, I call it the arrogance. They've had such a great run and, you know, they've got themselves back in the mix and Solskjaer and the staff and the players to galvanise after all the pressure. Like, you know, I've got to salute the man, the way he's handled the Pogba situation, everything. But again, today, the players have just absolutely let, let themselves down. They've let the staff down or you know what I mean? It's it's a hard a hard one, and I just think it becomes incomplete. You get that little bit of arrogance about you playing the bottom of the t- bottom team in the league, and you go out with that arrogance and oh, this is going to be a, a stroll in the park. And they got a rude awakening. I'm absolutely delighted for Wilder because mm. you know there's a man in that defensive unit in Jagielka. He's 38 years of age. He's playing in the Premier League. And, you know, he, he was absolutely brilliant today. There, there was a comment from the late corner. We need to grind this out. You heard it on the match, on the commentary. We need to grind this out. Put your bodies on the line. And that's exactly what Sheffield United have done. And I, I can't understand how a team can be so amazing in Sheffield United when they first got in. COVID hit, they lost their fans, and they've had a really bad run of form. Of late, they've showed that team spirit... Against Newcastle United, they got the result, and definitely against Manchester United, that was that was a well fought win today. They had three chances, took two, uh, and United totally dominated. But Sheffield found a way to win, and um, I just think it's that that arrogance in the dressing room. You're going, oh, it's only Sheffield United. Mm-hmm. They got found out. Well, they've only won one game all year, the Blades, and look, this puts them ten points from Brighton in seventeenth. They drew nil all with Fulham in the in another game on Thursday morning. Um, lots of the matches we're going to talk about have relegation implications. Bridgie touched on Newcastle, who are being sucked in. They are only a point above Brighton now in that battle. Burnley had an amazing win today, three-two at home to Aston Villa, which puts them with a little bit of breathing space on Newcastle. Um, Thomas, is there life for Sheffield United? Things move quickly. In the Premier League, boy, they move quickly. Uh, you know, they were dead a week ago. Now there's life. Can they pull off a miracle based on what they extracted today? What kind of turnaround does this give them? You know, again, I think it, it's it's back to to basics. Uh, you know, like they show today, uh, and you can go a long way with uh, hard uh, hard fight and determination. I think. You know, uh, I think that's why I, you know Sam Allardyce was brought in as, at West Brom. You know, that formula. It might be something that Chris Wilder will say, I'll have to then compromise with some of my other principles uh, because it's all about the results, all about grinding out points. And, uh, you know, if, if you can show up, you know, put on that team spirit, uh, fight to the death mentality, you, you got a chance. And, uh, you know, they need to win the games against the Fulhams, against the Brightons. You know, those are the ones that's going to claw them back out. And then top it up with, you know, a, a win like they had today. Uh, so I, I'll give them a shot um, if they can um, galvanize themselves and, and put on a, a, a spirited fight. What does this do, Bridgie, in a, in a relegation dressing room? What does this do to the group uh, in terms of just that belief? Oh, that, it's absolutely huge. I've been in a relegation battle, as, as Thomas has as well. 
And when the chips are down and you're getting smashed every week, it is so hard to get any form of confidence to build on that. The coaches that are trying to give you the information, yet you you don't not believe, but you start to lose faith and you think, can we try something different? And I look at Sheffield United with their results. I think, you know, you can see there have been improvements. They've got the second win of the season. Fulham, they've made drastic improvements the way they've been playing with chances created. And I, I look at a team like West Brom. They've gone through one manager. They get another experienced manager in Sam Allardyce who knows how to keep teams up. And they have not scored a goal and conceded 17. That is the difference between the teams that end around them. The, the form in the conference... Um, is a huge factor, and I think Tommy's he's nailed it. You've got to beat the teams in and around you, but when you're beating the teams that are top, what that does, man, I'll tell you, We, I think I was at Sunderland before Thomas. Well, I know I was. That's official. Um, <laughs> but we actually beat Manchester United at home, and I'll never forget, uh, Craig Russell and John Mullen scored the goals. We beat United 2-1. That was, I lived off that for a whole month, as the players did. And then we just couldn't get the results come the end of the season. But I'll tell you what, the feeling, the confidence we gained for that month going forward was invaluable because we did pick up points. Yeah, well, look, Sheffield United's uh, run going forward is a real mixed bag. They have Manchester City next up and a run over the, the next few weeks. It has Chelsea, it has the informed West Ham United, and it has Liverpool. But they do play West Brom and they do play Fulham in between those games. What's that in terms of that experience that you had with Bridgie Thomas? How do you balance that out as Chris Wilder between those monster games where like, they, they're up against it? Any points from there are a bonus, but you've got to keep your side up for those two monster six-pointers. You know, you know, I think as a manager, the, your biggest job is to be uh, the greatest, um, you know, um, salesman. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta sell a plan. You gotta sell, you know, uh, a belief uh, that these things can, uh, can, you know, can happen. And and uh, you know, I think today, like Bridget said, I totally agree. Um, you know, we, we've as players been in those situations. The confidence you, you gain from that it gives you. A belief it's easy for the manager to to get the players to buy in because when when you've been on a losing streak you know the hope goes out of the window uh you start questioning the tactics the team selections um and um you know that could be a turning point for them uh, give them some belief to move forward and then leading into to the games they have to win um you know i'm sure you know wilder will, will look at the game and and the, the players like jackie elka he needs to experience uh, from his side in, in, in especially those probably more nerve wracking, but you know, to be honest this morning, nobody gave them a chance. Uh, so they had everything to win going into the other games. Uh, there'll be pressure. That was the difference between the two teams, the mindset of the underdogs going in, that was their FA cup final. They play Manchester United. They know that's going globally, and they've given themselves a chance. And I just think, yet yeah, Manchester United—they've had an unbelievable run, and it was kind of like, yeah, here we go, an extra three points. So what Wilder will do now with his staff, they'll be picking out three points, a point here, there, and they'll have the targets for the month. They'll have the targets for their next five or six games, if not the ten matches, and they'll try and work around that to see what points tally they can pick up. And then you you, you do it in stages. I call them cycles, cycles of points. And you'll, you'll explain that to the players. You, you do that at the start of the season, to be fair. But like you say, you don't expect to um, only have two wins on the board, which is what they've got at the moment. Just a goalkeeping perspective, Thomas. There was a bit of controversy in the first half with the opening goal. Was there a foul on David De Gea? And how did that incident 
actually compare to the foul that was given on Ramsdale uh, by Harry Maguire going forward? Where do you stand on that uh, from the goalkeepers' union? And then Bridgie, if you want to reply from the uh, from the strikers' union, we'll see where we'll see where we end up here in the points department. I've just got to switch off for a moment. Give us go on, Tommy. Go ahead. <laughs> You know, again, uh, you know, as a keeper, you always want to be protected. Like you, you, you know, if if there's, you know, I've got no problem with players going for the ball um, because you know it's it's the challenge. If players don't go for the ball uh, and just trying to obstruct the keeper, it's it's a different situation. And and also, where do you, where are you as a keeper? The further out you go, you you less protection uh, you get. Um, I, I think, you know, De Gea, I think it, it was the right decision um, this morning. Um, you know, it, it's always borderline, you know, and, and again, you know, I've been in situations where it's it's been handed to me and, and I thought, well, I got away with one there. Um, uh, <laughs> but other times uh, you, you feel highly punished and, and it is it's difficult for the referees uh, at times because so much happens in the box and uh, yeah, no, but I, I feel uh, De Gea was, it was rightly uh, given a free kick. There's two laws in the game that, in my opinion, need addressing. And there's two that really infuriate me. One is the, not the protection of goalkeepers because you need protection, but um, Tommy, what, what I don't like is when we challenge a goalkeeper and we both jump together in the air and we, you know, yeah. there's arms on, it, it punishes the goalkeeper. I'm just saying, as a striker running through over my career on one-on-one situations with a bouncing ball, the amount of times that I've had the goalkeepers come out catch the ball with their knees and their feet raised in my direction to protect themselves. And, you know, there's not a lot of care taken in the jurisdiction about that player that is running onto that goalkeeper. Correct? Yeah, yeah. No, but you, You'll see, you you see it. You taught that. You taught... Exactly. Protect. You're taught that. But that is one rule. If I run into your foot, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of thing. The other one that I absolutely hate is the... the um, when a defender shields the ball out of play over the byline to protect, like an obstructing the player away from the ball to let the ball go out for a goal kick as I'm chasing that ball down. And you step three yards away from the ball to try and shield it. Mm. If you do that in the middle of the field, it's obstruction. It's a free kick. So why is the defender or that player trying to let that ball go out of play obstructing? Is it still seen? They're the two that really infuriate me. But again, what we've seen inside the area, I agree with Thomas that them decisions were the correct ones in, in the games. Okay, now we'll conclude on the title race when we, when we talk about Manchester City a little bit later on, but just a, an off day at the office for Manchester United. Just, just to clarify there, Tommy, you, you, you correct a foul on on by Maguire, but the De Gea decision was correct. Just just to clarify that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Now, earlier this morning, it was a wild nil all draw at Stamford Bridge. <laughs> was it it's wild? Famous. Was it wild? No, it was absolutely <laughs> a meandering. And it was the first <laughs> glimpse of Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea. This time last week, we were discussing with Jonah Luisi and Luke Wilkshire what Frank Lampard would have to do. Is it really a- Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea, Dave? Dremel Mavramovich's Chelsea now being <laughs> puppet mastered oh, yeah. by Thomas Tuchel. <laughs> so... <laughs> Let's. There's been a lot of discussion about what obviously happened with Frank Lampard from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. What did we learn today, Bridgie, watching Thomas Tuchel's version of Chelsea in that nil or draw with Wolves? That he has the world-class players at his disposal and they still cannot find the back of the net. The same problem that Frank Lampard found himself in 
just before he's reigned came around. They, they were struggling in front of goal. And uh, prior to that in the season, you know, they'd been magnificent. The question marks were at the back. Mendy came in, sorted that out. And and I just think the, you know, the rotation of the players, the um, up top, he didn't know who, who was his favourite number nine because Giroud put a, a spanner in the works. Tammy Abraham's been outstanding. Timo Werner's found himself drifting into different areas. And I just think the rotation hasn't worked. And, you know, they, they came up against a very, very well-organised team today in Wolves. They did not look like attacking once. They just came and uh, I think they basically said, if we can come away with a point here, it is a massive bonus because not one shot on target by Wolves. Didn't even look to counter-attack in, in moments. And, um, you know, they were just dominated in all areas. But again, Chelsea struggled to find the back of the net and an opening. In the teams like Manchester City that make it look so easy at the moment. Thomas, what did you make of Tuchel's lineup? Which, of course, no Mason Mount, who is the most picked player by Frank Lampard in his managerial career. No Rhys James. Uh, no Tammy Abraham. He opted for experience. He changed the formation, went to three at the back, and it looked like a lot was being played through the wingbacks and through Hakim Ziyech and Kai Havertz being a real focal point in the side. Um, do we? Are we reading too much into the symbolism of the players he left out? No, I think he came out after the game and, and said that, uh, you know, really held his hand up and apologized to the players uh, who wasn't playing because, uh, as he said, it wasn't a fair lineup because he, he, he'd only seen, you know, uh, he'd only taken one training session. Uh, so I think, I think we need a few more games, uh, but it, it, you know, for sure, Part of the, the hire is is obviously dealing with the young players, getting the best out of Havertz, uh, get Timo, Timo Werner back to where he was before, um, you know, in, incorporate, um, you know, uh, some of the, you know, the, the high press, the typical German, his, his sort of, uh, you know, uh, background. Uh, and then shore up the defense. I think, he, he, you know, he's come out himself and saying, uh, you know, and that's what he's shown at, at, um, at, at the other clubs he's been at is, yes, we want to go forward. We want to create uh, chances, but we also want to be, uh, you know, solid at the back uh, tactically. And, and uh, you know, I think we saw they, they look solid. Again, like Bridget said, Wolves didn't offer much. Um, but, you know, it'd be interesting to see if he can turn it around for some of these players that has been really struggling. Callum Hudson-Odoi looked like a big winner, Bridgie, from the selection. Um, who do you think uh, Tuchel's arrival will benefit and who do you think it will disadvantage? Oh, that's a great question, Dave. Um, I mean, a lot of the players, what they will benefit from, I believe that he, he, he is a tactical genius. You don't, you don't coach and manage the clubs that he has without having, you know, some form of pedigree and knowledge. And, you know, when I when I look at the team, the players that are going to absolutely embrace what he is all about are players that have got pace and presence when they win the ball back and they do their transition because he's looking for high-intensity players that are with the ball when they get it. That's your Hudson-Odoi, I think. That's your uh, Havertz as well. And when they're not, if he, wants, he needs that energy level, the work rate up and down. So I, I've... I don't see it being in Olivier Giroud because he, he likes, even though he's playing there today, I think the pressing game that he demands as a coach, he'll have a, it won't have, it, it's a lot of, a lot more legs involved. Giroud's a great one when you have the ball and um, without the ball, he's looking for a team of Werner or, or a, um, you know, Tammy Abraham who, who will do that for you because Tammy's younger. But I think Tino Werner is going to reap benefits from having this um, under Tuchel. I do. I think he'll bounce back. Um, in, a, in a really positive way. And, and Hudson-Odoi showed that as well, that he has got that kind of energy levels 
um, with and without the ball, that is expected from uh, Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, played at right wing back today, so we'll be interested to see what he does with that <laughs> yeah. formation going forward. Thomas, five points adrift of the top four um, in eighth place. Um, just to sum up what you guys think about uh, the decision to part ways with Lampard, will that was that the right moment and will this be the spark to get Chelsea back into that non-negotiable top four? Again, uh, I think there's more to it than, um, you know, that than we can see from the outside. Because to me, even though I think Abramovich has a history, like, is it seven managers in 11 years? Uh, you know, so he, he has a history of uh, short patience. Uh, not, not what we've seen with Solskjaer, who's been given that extra time uh, at Man United. Uh, you know, even Guardiola, who got a bit of stick early in the season. You know, here it's just been, um, you know, the sword has just been <laughs> swung at the first possible chance. And and you can see it as unfair, but I, I still question if it was the right decision in the first place uh, of having a young manager, sort of a, a celebrity manager in Chelsea terms, who's been learning on the job. Because they, it, it's just seemed when they hit a bit of a spanner in the last couple of weeks, he has struggled to find the solution. And, um, and again, they have, must have felt that they needed someone with a lot more experience um, like Tuchel who could come in and, and turn it around. It's tough on Lampard, but that's, that's how Chelsea operate. Do you, know, do you know the thing I look at? And I'm gutted that Frank has gone because you always want you know, ex-players that have just come off. The, they're going through the badges. You want success. He had a crack at Derby. They, they really used and abused the Chelsea, basically the younger ones, to get them in on loan to have a good thing because of his relationship with Jordy Morris and the staff there. And I think that paid dividends as well when Chelsea last season had the transfer embargo and he could develop and mentor them players. It's a whole different concept when you're de- dealing with high-end players that have got egos and have played under the best managers and coaches in the world because they've had relationships with managers in the past and they've also had the tactical knowledge that the managers have passed on. So I, th- I always said, Dave, that this would be a massive challenge this season for Frank Lampard about dealing with all them new signings coming in. And I think that has been the biggest problem because you've smelt it, you've heard things in the media. He, he had a fallout with somebody that was very close to Roman Abramovich. I can't remember the lady's name. I'm, I'm, yeah, Maria Graviskaya. I can't remember the pronunciation yeah. exactly, but she yeah. runs the day-to-day operation. She runs the day-to-day process. If you know, if you're making enemies there, you've got to be very, very, you've got to be very clever. But also, a lot of the players, I think, had gone and said, "Oh, they were they were not happy with not playing," and nobody's going to be happy with not playing. But they said it was the way that they have been handled in that situation. So there's a, I think that's one thing that Frank has possibly got to to learn. And uh, but I am really, really gutted for him. But again. You, what do they say? You've got to have failure to have success. I think you, the world, the world's great leaders say that. And I think Frank will bounce back hugely from this. Yeah, hopefully he's back somewhere. And for Chelsea, look, the thing is, is as much as they championed that they were going to change the culture, go to the kids, put a long-term mandate in, as you said, Bridgie, the first opportunity, or maybe you said it, Thomas, they've abandoned it. They've gone back <laughs> for experience. They've gone for a European manager. But hopefully Frank bounces back in Chelsea. Unfortunately, have had success using this before. Dave, can I just put a question to Thomas? Tommy, I, I, I want to find it interesting. The manager that me and you both played under in Peter Reid when he was at Sunderland, I left and went to Leeds United before that. Did did you leave before Reedy was sacked or did you cut? Who was, who was there after Peter? 
No, I, I was there uh, when he got sacked. Uh, Who Howard, came in after? Uh, Howard Wilkinson came in for, for a little while and then Mick McCarthy took, took over at the end of that how, season. After everything that we went through with Peter Reid promotion relegation, we saw how dynamic he was on the players and how obviously he, he, he could upset a lot of other players and managers. How did you find it in that environment with all them players once that new manager came in? How did he win you over with Glenn Cottrell or did he not? I think we, we, we struggled with, uh, with Howard Wilkinson when, when he came in. Uh, I just think he, uh, he struggled connecting with players. And I, I, at the end of the day, that's, that's the key. You know, you got to get the players to buy into your philosophy, to, you know, to, to the relationship you're trying to build. Uh, Mick McCarthy was a different, he was, a, he was down the line of, of Peter Reid, uh, just honest. I think, I think we can appreciate that when we look back at Peter Reid, you, know, yeah. you know, he told us how it is. If, if you had a bad game, you knew about it. If you had a good game, there wasn't any sort of things, you know, being wrapped up and, and hidden under the, you know, the, the, the couch where with other managers, you, you, you never knew where you stood. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a struggle sometimes and that can lose players if, if, if you're just honest and know what you have to work on if you're not in the team you know you, you can't really question it so is it true that you've watched a, a video about the world's greatest team yeah, yeah and, and who was that great, who was the greatest the team you've got to tell Dave Wiener and the listeners this story I think it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious <laughs> Yeah, no, he was very progressive, Howard Wilkinson. I think he, you know, he came from the FA, was involved there and, and uh, had all these new ideas and had some psychologists involved. And, and he called all the team. We were struggling, obviously. Peter Reed had been sacked and we were, you know, at, at the foot of the table. And he tried his best. And he called all the players into the dressing room, put them on this video. And, he, you know, he, he hyped it up like, this is the team. This is how we should be. You know, you've got to learn from these guys. And then he put on... <laughs> a video, like a five minute video of geese, geese flying in formation. And, and, and the players just absolutely, uh, uh, you know, gobsmacked. And, and he started talking about how geese work as a, you know, how the, the front pairs, you know, they, they, they take the, 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 you the know, lead, the, the lead and then everyone drafts of it, but they share the load. And, and I think, I think he totally lost the dressing room. I'll, I'll never forget when one of the boys rang me and said, my word, he said, we've just had the most amazing team talk ever. He said, oh, who's the best team in the world? And we've gone Real Madrid. And he's gone, no, Barcelona, no. Oh, who, Liverpool, no, this is it. And he put on a video of geese flying. <laughs> that's what, what one a, way to lose your players, man. Well, that's it. What an unbelievable uh, story to, like, what, how important is that first impression? So, What's Huge. going on in that dressing room now for Chelsea? And like in this early period, Thomas Tuchel has almost got to just, how would you approach it? And, or how was it approached in more successful circumstances in your Do, do you know what it is? I always, talk, I always talk about this, Dave. Just finishing off the pro diploma coaching, it's, we had a topic on the first address. And it is the yeah, first right. address okay. of you coming into a team environment. You've got to meet your staff. You've got to meet players. That first address is key. And I'll never forget, Thomas has explained about Howard Wilkinson with, um, was it Cottrell, the assistant? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I had it with Phil Parkinson at Hull City, who was the manager. And he first came and he took over. And he had a chat with the players. And he had the whiteboard set up. And it was on like a three-pillar tripod. And he, he was just about to turn the sheet of paper to show us and start the team talk or the first address. And he tripped on that whiteboard and fell over on the floor. And the whiteboard fell on top of him. And the players just burst into laughter. 
And instead of making a laugh, he just scurried out and did the Michael Jackson moonwalk out the door and was all flustered. And he lost the players there and then. If, and if he'd had bantered on it in that moment, what would have happened? I think he could have definitely won the players back over and had a laugh and a joke and said, that's a good start. But still, you've, you've, you've still got to win the boys over other, yeah. in other ways. But it was just incredible. Now, that was one of his first ever gigs. Tuchel has got experience. He's been in world... He's worked with the best at, <laughs> at PSG. Yeah. Um, so he will know how to put his, his thing across and use his personality. But, man, that first address... It's like anybody getting a new job, you've got to make a good first impression, whether you're going for an interview, whether you're going in as that staff employee that got that job. Um, you've got to hit the ground running, and it's it's a huge thing. It, it can make or break you within days. Yeah, and I think it, it helps that, you know, you set the scene. Like, yeah. Then you have to live up to it. But I think it's important that people, you know, from the start can see direction. You, you come in with a plan. You know, again, you know, you're giving everyone a chance. Uh, and then... You didn't have to back that up in in day to day business, but but I agree with you, Bridger. I think that first impression, you know, you need to get people on on your side straight away. And as players, what are the what, what happens in the dynamic of the group? Do you start to um, veer towards the, to, for example, like the guys that were left out today? Will they start to veer towards each other versus the ones that maybe had been, you know, everyone in the press is talking about your Rudigers and your Jorginhos and your Marcus Alonso's? What happens with the dynamic of the group as change like this happens? It, it, it totally changes because, uh, you know, again, under, under any manager, you, you have players that, you know, we were talking about Chelsea players that have, you know, been starting every week who, who, who like Mason, like Mason Mount giving, uh, was it uh, ca- captain's armband, um, you know, so, and then suddenly that gets ripped out and it's sort of, everyone starts from the, you know, on scratch uh, yeah. and it creates uncertainty in the dressing room, which, I think it's good. You know, everyone is suddenly, you know, alert, aware, motivated because suddenly you have to fight for your, for your place again. There's no guarantees. And then, you know, I don't think I've had any new manager come in and, and not say that everyone will be given a, a fair chance, uh, you know, to impress. And that's normally uh, the case, even though obviously experienced players, top players will always uh, get back in the team. But you know, it, it's it's a funny feeling sitting in a dressing room when uh, when a manager goes and and you look around and and you see people's eyes sort of uh, uh, you know look around and and see the uncertainty in, in players that the day before was uh, you know having a swagger and coming in the dressing room. Yeah. Um, it's quite funny. It's funny because some of the managers do have their favourites, and you'd say, "Oh, you're the you know son of, son of the gaffer," and you'd wind the player up. When the new manager comes in, you see that they're not. They, they're not that, you know, the chosen one. And they, they, it becomes very uncomfortable for that for that player to find that the uncertainty is there from that previous manager that put them on that team sheet. Um, because everybody's got different ideas. You're going to bring your own players in. And I'll never forget when O'Leary left Leeds United, we got Terry Venables in. And his first address was magnificent. He was experienced. He, he, he delivered everything brilliantly. And that was with big-time players like Harry Kuehl, Mark Viduka. That tender came to an end, sadly. And we got Peter Reardon, who I'd worked with at Sunderland, who was used to dealing with lesser players and getting the best out of players from lower divisions and, you know, motivation. And and like Thomas said, telling you when you are crap. However, it didn't go down very well at Leeds United from the get-go in the first week when he fell out with Mark Viduka. And, you know, he was one of our main players, but they, they could not, the fighting in front of the players. 
literally shouting and screaming at each other. That that it just became a toxic environment. So it can be it can be a dangerous game, but it can also be a nice fresh start for a lot of players if you get the right guy. Interesting to see what happens in the weeks ahead. He's got that 18-month contract, Tuchel, and you wonder, with Chelsea being Chelsea, what happens if he cannot get the club back into the top four? And it is going to be easier said than done because it is a super competitive race at the moment. We saw that again this morning with evidence of Leicester City. They're not going anywhere. They went 1-0 down at Everton to James Rodriguez. Wonder goal, but leveled at 1-0 through Yuri Tillman. So they are still in third place. Two points adrift of Manchester City, who are on 41 points. Manchester United on 40. Leicester on 39. And West Ham, 35 points. Just running through some of the other results this match week, which we'll pour through now. Uh, Brighton and Fulham drew nil all this morning and Thursday as well. Burnley, 3-2 against Aston Villa. That was a terrific game with Chris Wood's uh, comeback header late on. Uh, Southampton, Australian debut there for Caleb, Caleb Watts. Fantastic to see the 52nd Australian in the Premier League, but they did go down 3-1 to Arsenal, a resurgent Arsenal. Newcastle, one, Leeds United, two. We will touch on that shortly. Crystal Palace, two. West Ham, three. And Bridgie, West Brom, nil. Manchester City, five. The Ilkay Gundogan and Jao Cancelo show. In the absence of that number nine that you've been calling for for so many weeks, how impressed are you with the fact that they've concocted a way to uh, have a resurgence um, without with a, a really non-traditional solution? I've got to say, Dave, I am absolutely disgusted with Pep Guardiola because he did not start with Gabriel Jesus, who was my fantasy league captain this weekend because I thought he's got to go with a number nine. And he didn't, so I only got two bloody points with him. Um, but it was a masterclass. I mean, the... We've talked about how good they have been in the past at scoring goals, free-flowing, and there's been a question mark about the defence. The the clean sheets were Stone, Diaz, Inchenko coming in there, but Cancelo, it's just been absolutely brilliant. They, you know, they've they've been magnificent. But I don't understand how a team can perform so well without a like you say, a, an out and out striker. I still don't think they can win the Champions League if they don't have a superior striker. And a guy that's going to get you 20 plus goals. But what they had with the rotation, the the midfielders, everybody has stood up. And this was also without De Bruyne as well, yeah. by the way. Yeah. That if you if you're losing the number nine and you're getting on with things, but then you're losing your captain and probably for me, probably the best player going forward in, in the Premier League, the way it chances created assists, goals. And he was out. And yeah, it was just absolutely magnificent to watch and against a team who are just a wounded animal. And um, yeah, it was very, very impressive all around. I mean, it's great to see a player like Ilkay Gundogan step up. He's got seven goals in his last eight, Thomas. But it's uh, nearly well, it's 529 days since City have been top of the Premier League. They do have a game in hand. I wonder now, are they going to get hauled back? <laughs> Uh, I, I, I think uh, it's for them to, you know, to, to grab this. I, I think they're on a, at the right trajectory. Uh, they'll get players back. Um, and, um, and again, I think it, it's a credit to um, Guardiola, you know, you know, trying to, you know, reinvent himself. I think, you know, we were sitting, I think, on a podcast uh, late last year or, you know, at least uh, before the summer where everyone was, criticizing Man City and should, should, is he the future? Should he go? He, you know, he's lost it. He's lost the group. And, and now, you know, you, you see what he's done with, 
you know, um, you know, just rethinking the team and, and rethinking the players and using the, the, the system that they have, you know, the, you know, the, the, you know, yeah, they don't play with a striker, but you look at Sterling, you know, you know, he might as well be, be a striker, uh, sort of a, a modern day striker uh, with his movement and his, his runs uh, and, and just, you know, fitting in the, the new players as well and finding new positions. I think it's a great credit to, to, to him that he's, He's turned this around with with all the the the, the crap that was piled on him mm-hmm. early in the season. Bridgie, you look very concerned down there. You you, you you've <laughs> no no. I've just read a message off my daughter saying you forgot to pick me up. So there's the joy of <laughs> podcasting like, live. <laughs> I've told her just to stay in the rain. I'll be there very soon. I, I could read you. I could read you. I, th- I thought you were worried about Thomas saying that Manchester City were going to win the, with the Premier League. You have bigger matters at hand. No, no, I've got bigger matters at hand. But I did. I'm pleased he said that because I had City from the get go, and then I went Liverpool, and just uh, just of late, yeah, Man- Manchester City look absolutely unstoppable. Are you worried though about Newcastle United? Yes, I am. I'm actually when when you look at this the performances of Frank Lampard and what he's done at Chelsea, and all right, it's it the stats aren't great day from previous managers, but again, it's it's about him developing. I look at Newcastle United under Sam Allardyce, and I don't know what the uh, not Sam Allardyce, sorry, Steve Steve Bruce. Bruce. I don't understand what the KPIs or the incentives are from Mike Ashley because the the fans are going ballistic. The media's going ballistic because of the style of play and getting beat off Sheffield United with that kind of um, attitude. Is it the coaching staff? Is it the players? It's It's got to be a collective because they don't see anybody trying to wear that sh- that shirt and that badge in passion for the fans because if it was a full house at St. James's Park, they would be making their voices heard and things would be happening. I still can't believe that they have not change anything yet because if I think if they don't it, it it's going to get nasty uh, and Newcastle are in a relegation battle there is no doubt about it do you agree with that Thomas yeah no again I think Bridget we've been at, at clubs uh, and, and it is a you know I think for for the case of Newcastle it, it is a holistic uh, repro- approach because there's you know I think at some point um, the ownership and what they do and don't do creeps through the whole club you know it gets to the players it gets to the manager uh and obviously the fans as well and and you know again you know i remember us sitting here talking about you know newcastle new owners or they could sign whatever player they wanted to, uh, and 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 this has been going on for so long mm-hmm. you know selling good players and and it's just become a, a toxic environment as a club uh, and you, I, you can't really sit there and blame steve bruce for you know for the for the lack, I, th- I think he's just trying to keep it together. You know, keeping the players motivated, keep yeah. keeping the belief, but at the same time having to fight off, you know, Mike Ashley and the ownership, uh, and and uh, it must be a, a horrible Thomas. situation. Tommy, I've I've said it before. The every time the transfer window opens, Newcastle United seem to have a new takeover bid, and because what it does, it creates a smoke screen for the fans and the media to think, oh, we're getting a takeover, and they sail through without making any major signings. And it almost gives Mike Ashley a little bit more, you know, you know um, time, and the pressure is eased off him. Steve Bruce and his staff can only deal with what they've got to deal with. You are 100% right. And when there is no accountability and there is no leadership at the top end or there's no incentives put down in place to say, this is what we've got to do, there's no demands, it just becomes a complacent environment. And there's no accountability. And Steve is trying his best 
with his staff to get these players motivated, but they they've got to be held in some form of they've got to be held with something though, Thomas, this coach staff, because the style of play is still with the players that they have at their disposal is still very, very, I don't call it proactive. It's very defense minded. And I think the, there is assist there. There is matches this season. They could have gone and had a crack and picked up more points. So I'd, it, it's a funny situation. And I, it just stinks to be honest with you. Well, it's not working, Bridgie. I mean, they're nine without no, winning not. the league. So why persist with that if it's not working? You're one point ahead of Brighton. You're, because he's you're... got to pay money. He'll have to pay money to sack. He'll have to pay money to get players in. Oh, this I is Mike Steve Ashley. Bruce. I mean, I, I even mean Steve Bruce. Like, if, if this rear guard action isn't working, yeah. um, how can does he have it in him to, to, to change that up? Would you? I'd like to think so because he understands the northeast. He understands the people. He's from that area. He's, he's a proud man that he is managing. He's, he's living his dream. He lived. He said he lived his dream as a player. He lifted the Premier League trophy. He was the captain of Manchester United. He was a professional footballer. When he went into management, he said as a kid he dreamed of being the manager of Newcastle United. So there's not many, you know, that that's a huge thing to have that, and it must hurt him at times when he sees some of the players not digging in to put the performances on for that shirt and that badge in that region. Yeah, well said. Interesting to watch. They're, they're getting dragged into that race, which everyone thought was a foregone conclusion with Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United, but not in the Premier League. There are more twists and turns to come. And you do think that if Burnley can jack a couple more results like they did this morning, then it is Newcastle, Brighton, Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United fighting it out for those survival spots in the Premier League. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. We're just over halfway through the season, guys, and we're looking at um, sort of who is where they want to be. Who eighteen uh, with nineteen, twenty match weeks for for most teams, eighteen for some. I just want to get you guys' thoughts on uh, who sits in what, in what categories: top of the class, pass, fail, par. Um, I'll come to you, Thomas, and uh, this will help us discuss some of the other teams we, we haven't yet. Uh, and of course, there is a, a monster game on Friday morning for those of you who have not listened yet uh, with Tottenham, of course, playing Liverpool. Who is top of the class over this season where literally every episode, we, 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 it's like a roller coaster. We've got another crisis or another <laughs> success story to talk about. I, I think uh, above all of them, um, I'm going West Ham. Beautiful. I think uh, you know. From I, I was, I was one of the guys early in the season uh, hammering Moyes. I'm not a big mm-hmm. fan of Moyes. Uh, you know, when he went out with COVID and they started winning a few, few games, I think that just <laughs> summed it up. To, that summed it up for me. It was like, yeah, he's the reason. But you know, fair play to how they've yeah. turned around, how they've, you know, got the best out of the, the players and revitalized that that team. You know. You know, suddenly from being dire now, they're they're actually exciting to to watch and you know creeping into the top four. Uh, I think it's a tremendous, tremendous uh, achievement uh, for, for for me. So that ranks as the absolute top class uh, team of, of 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 right now. What's he done, by the way? Well, what's changed? The, the, the attitude know. of the players has definitely changed. I think it, on on paper, 
they've got a cracking team. The attitude, the the desire, the hunger to go out, exactly the opposite of what I've just said about Newcastle United and some of their players. He seems to have galvanised the players to believe and let them go and take... I mean, Antonio is just... It just it looks like a man revived, and he's made big calls and letting Halla go. They tried it; it didn't work. Mm. And I think you've got to credit the. Um, he's not playing so much as a defensive unit now. He's he's letting some of them players that he knows can go forward and exploit themselves. And a player like Bourne as well, who's coming. And by the way, done magnificent. Right. Mm. Um. So yeah, I, th- I think it's it's the the management of his him and his team has been brilliant. Is it was that your choice as well, Bridgie? No, it wasn't. Uh, they have actually got them. It sounds a bit harsh. I've got West Ham as a pass, and I meant that from. So I've got them on that second question, yeah. a pass. I think it's a huge engagement for them. Top of the tree, I've got Manchester City, or top of the class. I've got Manchester City playing without a number nine and doing so well and being able to bounce back from their clean sheets, which we've already discussed. Who are the clubs between the two of you that have also exceeded expectation? And the pass is not a not a basic result. Pass is that you you know you're going above where you thought you'd be this year. Yeah. You know, I think, again, uh, you know, you, you have to talk about Everton, um, Leicester, uh, I think is is creeping into that that top class. Uh, you know, they've, uh, I think, Leicester still, uh, there was question marks before the season, uh, how they finished last year, you know, uh, you know, on a, was it a six, seven game losing streak, more or less, and, and throwing it all away. Uh, to the signings they made this season, I think they've they've done really well. I think Brendan Rodgers has, has done a tremendous job, uh, you know, putting another run together, and and they they seem to be, you know, just keep, keep you know keep getting results and 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 winning the big games as well. Um, so for me, they have exceeded my expectations um, for sure. And mine was West West Ham for that pass I've, I've just explained, and also Aston Villa. Yeah. I just love what Dean Smith and the players are all about. Them, they're playing a, an attractive brand of attacking football with the defensive unit that has been very, very solid as well. And you know they got exploited this morning, but I've just really enjoyed watching them. And I can't believe how a team can be from a relegation battle into a top top half team. Um, but every stat from last season has been thrown out the window, and they are streets ahead. And that's what it's about: bettering your. Yes, your stats, your finishing position, your points tally, your shots on target, and they're ticking all the boxes. So it's a huge pass for um, for Dean Smith and his team. Yeah, that's a big one. They are really enjoyable to watch whenever yeah. you do. And even even against Burnley this morning, it became an enjoyable yeah. game. So um, uh, another wonder goal from Jack Grealish. They they they're on they're on the right path, Aston Villa. There's no doubt about that. Who's uh who's on the bubble? Who's who's just passed for you guys, Thomas? Uh you know uh, Southampton. Tottenham, I think, um, um, you know, from where, you know, if, Tottenham is a, is, a, is a difficult one because I, it was in between a par and a pass. It's definitely a par. <laughs> uh, you know, again, they started so well, um, obviously flying high, but uh, the sort of, uh, uh, the glory has sort of, uh, sort of dropped off a little bit uh, and they're, they're, they're hanging in there. Um, Southampton, I think, have done really well. I think they um, they have definitely passed. And in my book, uh, so far, you know, they've uh, been exciting, high tempo, and and just the the, the philosophy that Hasenhutl has installed, uh, how they play, the the system, um, and and he, you know, you talk about getting the best out of players and and the squad that he has. Um, I think he needs uh, great credit for that. 
hopefully the injuries that they're suffering at the moment, which did open the door, as I mentioned before, for a young Aussie to make his debut. Don't curtail them because they have been really admirable with what they've done so far this season. Uh, Bridgie, for you? Uh, are we on the pause now? Yeah. yeah, I just said the pass is on the pause. I've I've put in there Leeds United, Div, yeah. and you know I can't go through a podcast without mentioning Leeds United. I think people got carried away, and you know everybody said, "Oh, Leeds United, the way they start this season. Look at the goals they're scoring. Look at how many they're conceding." This is a team that is newly promoted, so you can't get carried away. They are sitting at this moment in time in twelfth, and they're on twenty six points. Okay. They're ahead of, yeah, Premier League's established teams in Wolves, Palace, Burnley, Newcastle. The other newly promoted teams are in the relegation battle. So for me, the, this season, as I'm sure all the staff at Ellen Road will tell you, it was about survival and staying in the Premier League because what that does, that generates more money. They've just had another intake of the, four, uh, the San Francisco 49ers who have now bought 37% of the club. That is huge. This is what Andre was looking for. Um, there was talk that it might have been a bit of PSG money. Um, the 49ers are involved. They're wanting to take this brand globally. And it's, it's they're just ticking all the boxes. And I'm not going to get above my station and say it's a pass. It's This is where they are. People are forgetting it's a newly promoted team. And they're saying, oh, they're on a terrible run. Or they've done this. They're, they are sitting very, very pretty. So for me, level pass. Stay where you are. Survival and um, keep Leeds in the Premier League. Well said, but who hasn't done that? Who hasn't done that, Thomas? Who is who at this point of the season? And there's been a lot of them. I feel like, as I said, we've had a crisis every couple of weeks, but who is the who is the top of the pops when it comes to failure? <laughs> uh, sadly, I think uh, Bridgie and uh, myself and you have, have talked heavily about Newcastle. I think, uh, you know, they... Uh, for me, uh, everything that's gone on there is a big fail. Uh, West Brom, uh, in my book as well, um, uh, I, w- I didn't agree with the, the sacking. Uh, you know, I think it was it was, you know, symbolic this morning. You know, they they sacked uh, the, the previous manager after actually their best result of the season, and then <laughs> and then this morning they lose five nil to to Man City. You know, uh, in in the sort of the the, the return game. I, th- I think it was a poor decision, and I sadly think it's going to cost him. Even though Allardyce got a a great record for saving teams, I, I don't think he will this time. Yeah, I've got a big fail next to West Brom and also Newcastle United. And I've just put in brackets Arsenal because they have been disappointing. But I'll tell you what, I am delighted they stuck by Arteta and some of the players he's been able to shift out in the January window. And you've seen the results have come because he's put faith in young players that want to wear that jersey and go out there and perform because they've always had a great pedigree in the youth system. And um, yeah, they're, they're, they're on a fail, but I'll tell you what, they're, they're turning the tables. Yeah, so on Sunday they play, they host Manchester United at 4:30 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. If we did this in 18 games time or 19 games time, do you suspect they'll still be in the foul bridge, or do you think that they that they've weathered the storm that Ram- Abramovich wasn't prepared to with Frank Lampard? They might not make the Champions League again. They may make Europe. Where do you think? He will have them by season's end in terms of this kind of question. I'll say he will have moved up to a par and the results will continue to come um, towards the end of the season. I mean, how many points? Let's uh, just have a look here. Arsenal, what are we sitting on? 29 points. You know, they're, they're still, they're still European spots up for grabs. There's plenty of games to go. And I just feel the rhythm that they are getting, the form that they are in. We're just starting to see the turn of the tables and um, the players are looking out for each other. I can mm. tell a lot when you see a goal celebration, even though they're not meant to have the COVID. 
there was a lot of players ran from deep to go and celebrate with their with their team. Um, and you can always tell that when you, when the defenders stay back and the midfielders from from a goal, you can tell there's a little bit of uncertainty among the players. Um, when you've got goalkeepers running the full length of the field to celebrate with a team, and Matty Ryan is now there, and I am delighted that a top team has picked up that player because he was thrown to the wolves by Brighton. Yeah, what did you make of that, Thomas? It was a weird decision. Um, I, I think, you know, looking back at what he's done for the club, I think, uh, you know, you can nitpick and, and um, you know, probably say that this year wasn't, you know, hasn't been his, the greatest season he's ever had. But I don't think he's, you know, been a detriment to, to what they've been trying to, to do. Um, you can question, has there been, uh, you know, has there been a fallout with the manager over tactics, over, you know, um, you know, dressing room over, you know, direction. Uh, I think that's more the reason why he's left than, than actually what he's done on, on the pitch. Because, you know, again, I think he's, he's, he's a proven Premier League player with great experience. And, and that's the, the, the kind of players you need when, when things are, you know, like uh, Brighton at the moment, sort of just hanging in there. Do you think he can knock Burt Leno off? top spot at Arsenal or is this almost like just a great chance to get out of Brighton fulfill a childhood ambition whatever happens from there's a bonus yeah and no, I I think to start with it's the second thing um you know you know I, I look back in my career I had a, a chance uh, to, to go from Stoke to Man City uh but that move was blocked and I look back at it and actually I, I would have loved that shot you know to to come in as a second choice push for the first spot you know, wait for your chance and 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 then go from there. Uh, you know, at a, at a big club, and I'm sure Matty Ryan sees it as as the same thing. He knows from day one he's not going to knock Leno off 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 the you know the uh, from goal, but but uh, again, he'll get chances in cups uh, in in other competitions. Uh, maybe not this season, but but next year uh, injuries can happen, and and then that's your chance. And and uh, you know, you you'll be gunning for that opportunity when it comes. I think, did I discuss this with you, Dave, saying that I hope he did not leave to go to Europe in a lesser league to just to get game time? And I was hoping that the Premier League team would jump at the opportunity to sign him. You did. And and all of you, Thomas Schwartz included, Johnny, have all actually vouched for the fact that um, he, he really could push for a top six, yeah. traditional top six club. I just couldn't work out when I was saying that. I couldn't work out what that top six team was going to be. And when I saw Arsenal... I was absolutely delighted for him. And, you know, just to think that the club like that was watching Matty Ryan and seeing and appreciating what some of his stats are about when he's playing out with the ball. So, yeah, that was a, that, that's a fantastic move for him. And I think very good for the club as well, because he's a player that will push Leno and give him the competitive edge without being a toxic environment mm-hmm. um, kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but- you know, Thomas. Just to add to that, I think, you know, it's it's a normally, at least in the media, it's an overlooked position, that second choice keeper. But if you want to be a top side, if you want to push for, for honours and, and top of the Premier League, European success, you need that keeper. You know, you need that experience in case of need. Like we saw Mark Swartz, uh, you know, in his Chelsea days, uh, playing a, a blinder down in Atletico, uh, you know, you need that keeper because they, there will come a time uh, and if you haven't got that sorted, uh, it's going to cost you heavily. And, and I think Matty Ryan, at least uh, at this present time, he's a great number two after they, they lost Martinez. We have to, to have mm. to look at that and see what he's done at Villa. So there's definitely a, 
a spot there and, and I think he fills it well. Do you know what I was suitably impressed with? With this news, my wife hates football. I think I've explained this to you. She never looks at the news. She's a Kardashian watcher. She watches all that kind of celebrity rubbish. And she heard the news of Matty Ryan going to Arsenal and she actually said, oh my God, how good news is that? Will he be going there as a number two or a number three? And I was like, how do you know what a number two and a number three is at a football club? That's pretty impressive, darling. So um, I'd, I'd actually said, I hope he is that number two. And when I saw him on that team sheet, I, t- I rang, I texted my wife. I said, Kate, he's number two. She went, I wasn't really bothered. I was just trying to make you feel feel good. <laughs> you ran out of stuff to talk about at dinner that night. <laughs> well, terrific game Sunday morning um, to on Optus Sport. Do we have a tip or prediction for that one, guys? Arsenal, Manchester United. It's the, uh, the the battle of the um, of the two managers who have weathered the storm this year. What happens here? Oh, um, I, I think um, United is going to bounce back. I think, um, you know, I think they've shown of late uh, in the big games that they've turned the corner. Um, you know, even though Arsenal, you know, have played some good football, I still feel a little bit vulnerable, um, more so than United. Um, and I don't think they'll gift goals uh, to Arsenal like they did this morning to Sheffield United. So I'm, I'm tipping United. Um, I think they've got more going for them right now. I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. Yeah, I'm good. but I'll tell you what, it, it is going to be a cracking game. It's a, it's a great one for, for the neutrals to watch because it's going to be very, very exciting. And United do need to bounce back. And um, I just think Arsenal are in a good little, good little run of form. Well, United need to bounce back if they're feeding him in the title race. And yeah. it, in, a, in a sign of how much does change, quick word on Tottenham versus Liverpool tomorrow, where when the first, when the home Anfield game was coming up for this, the build-up was insane. It was top of the table, trying to knock Jose off from his run back to the top. Now it's Liverpool. This is just a m- monstrous game because they can't afford, through this injury crisis, to drop too f- much further adrift, can they, Thomas? No, it's 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 huge, and and again, it's been well, obviously well documented, uh, you know, with their scoring problems. Um, yeah, they, they will get players back. Van Dijk will come back. Gomez will will be back at at, at some point. So that's going to shore that up. But it seems to be down the other end, and it just shows that uh, you know Yota be, being out. I think it it's a huge thing for them because you know surely he would have been given a chance just to spice things up a little bit, and 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 they just have those three. Uh, and it's hard for them to change that. And, and when they're not quite uh, hitting the, the top form that we've been used to, then, uh, you know, it, it just shows how quickly you can uh, drop out of the race. And, and uh, you know, a couple of months ago, you know, I, I heard a lot of people say, oh, Liverpool are going to win with, you know, another 10-point difference. And, and look where we are now. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's a huge game for, for both teams, but for Liverpool, uh, I think mainly. It's it's going to be interesting. Just think, these two teams were battling out for the two top spots early on in the season, and you know, I I, I didn't want to get carried away talking about Tottenham Hotspur, and that that's you know, both teams have fallen off the um, the form guide of late, and the only thing that Tottenham have had in their favour, they've just picked up a little a nice little win in the FA Cup, a four one win over Wanderers. Liverpool have found themselves knocked out by Manchester United, so maybe a little bit of confidence going into this game. I I think. Mourinho and Tottenham will feel like they can get it, get get a point, if not all three points in this game. Definitely. Do you think Mourinho will play like he did at Anfield? Because he was just—I've never seen him so defensive, like just waiting to, you know, obviously counter. But 
Is, is that the same it's, tactic going into this one? It's going to be interesting, Tommy, because if they if you've seen something of the way Liverpool have been playing of late, they haven't been as dynamic going forward. They've they've squandered a lot of chances. They're still being creating, which is great for the coaching staff, but they've squandered. Um, there's still that area where I think Jose will sit back and how defensive it will be, but he, he's a he knows his tactics. There's a massive opportunity to counter him behind the fullbacks of Liverpool. And that's what they tried last time. And I, I still think he will definitely be defensive. How defensive? I hope not as defensive as he was because he knows there's a huge opportunity here. Hopefully he'll, he'll encourage him to go forward a lot more, but it's, it's going to be a thrilling match. I could be a bit nervous, I reckon. I think there's so there's a lot at stake in this game and, and, and Liverpool have been patchy. Who's more nervous than Dave going into this? Because I'm, I'm saying Liverpool are more nervous. Uh, 100% agree yeah. with the points that they need to claw back. They just need to weather this storm of these injuries as well, I think. Um, and the Burnley, the Burnley defeat was just, that, that was just yeah. telling. That, that hurts. Yeah. They, they hurt. Their results hurt hugely. So a lot to look forward to on Friday morning. Tottenham against Liverpool, 7 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time on Off The Sport. And then we roll around again on the weekend. We pick, kick off with Everton hosting Newcastle on Saturday night after Countdown's kickoff, 11.30 p.m. the game, 10 o'clock the show. Crystal Palace against Wolves, Manchester City against Sheffield United, West Brom against Fulham to get you through the night, Arsenal against Manchester United, as we discussed, rounding out with Southampton against Aston Villa. Sunday night action, Chelsea against Burnley. Ooh, get a goal in that game. Leicester City against Leeds United. West Ham against Liverpool. And it all rounds out on Monday morning with Brighton against Tottenham. Gents, we're just about run out of time. Anything to pick your brains on on those games? What stands out for you both there over the weekend? Oh, Dave, you'll have to go through them again, mate. I was just... Um, <laughs> oh. you, know the, you know the one I am looking forward to is the Leeds against Leicester. 100%. That's a cracker. That game is going to be two. an absolute cracker. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for you, Thomas? Uh, you know, again, uh, you know, I always watch out for, for the Villa boys. Uh, so for them going to Southampton, uh, should be a cracker as well. Uh, the way, uh, you know, and a chance for, for Villa with, with a few injuries that Southampton have and the, the little dip in form. So, um, you know, hopefully. Uh, it's going to be a, another great game then and, and three points for, for the villains. Yeah, I think it, those two games you picked out are going to be really entertaining. I'm just like, uh, yeah, you talk about the things, even the even the clubs that I would I hate watching. I'm I'm going to be very, very interested to watch that West Brom Fulham game because the, you know, that that game could give a huge, huge boost for Fulham uh, and take them a, a good five points clear of West Brom in that relegation battle. So as a, it's going to be an interesting game to see if Sam Allardyce can finally get his team to score and um, Scotty Park will be doing everything he can to get the result for Fulham. Stop leaking going the other way. Gents, thanks so much. Who knows what will have happened in the Premier League world by the time we next speak. Who knows? No one knows. You can't predict it. It's a, it's a wild roller coaster, and that's why we absolutely love it. Bottom knocking off the team on Thursday today. That could have gone top with a win. It's why we watch it as we do. Gents, thanks so much for your time today. Great chatting as always. Stay safe, everybody. Thanks for listening. Tommy, great to see you again, my friend. Stay safe up in uh, Newcastle Bridgie and uh, good to see you, David. Brilliant, guys. And everyone out there, as ever, until the next Gagan Pod, enjoy your football. Mm-hmm.